Hi to all you boys and girls out there in the Outer Rim. Today we have a special bonus episode of the show for you. With the release of the Rogue One teaser trailer last week, I just had to do something special to commemorate it. Be sure to tune in next week, Tuesday, on our regular day, when we'll follow up this bonus episode with a short ends episode on the topic, What Makes a Good Sci-Fi Flick? A quick shout-out to our sponsor, Muse Storytelling. Learn the patent-pending process that wowed Apple creative directors and helped Still Motion win five Emmys. Go to learnstory.org and use the offer code RADIO to save $47 off lifetime access. We thank Muse Storytelling for their support. Now, without further ado, I'm Ron Dawson, and this is a Radio Film School Star Wars special. Oh, wait, hold up. Star Wars is no longer owned by 20th Century Fox. I can't play that, but be honest. If you're like me, and you first saw Star Wars Episode Four as a kid, and you've been a fan ever since... Don't you associate that fanfare with the franchise? I almost sound like a Pavlovian response when I see the 20th Century Fox uh, uh, bumper logo at the beginning of Star Wars. Oh, "Oh, Star Wars coming! Like I'd be watching cable, and whenever that came out, oh, is this gonna be Star Wars? You know, like I would get excited, and you'd have, and it's like I miss that. I wish they would pay for the rights just to put that in, even if it's Disney, just to have it at the beginning of the film. Because to me, it's almost like it it almost I, I missed it when it wasn't there. It's so funny you say that because I have the exact, and I'm sure we're not the only ones, but I have the exact same reaction. Like whenever I hear the 20th Century Fox uh, fanfare, I mean, yeah. made, like my my body starts prepping for a long time ago in a galaxy. Right, you're just waiting. You're waiting for everything <laughs> yeah. to quiet down and the letters to scroll up. Right, and then some romantic comedy comes on. Right, and, oh man, this is right. It's romancing a stone. Damn. <laughs> right. Hey, that's a good movie. Okay, I know that Star Wars is owned by Disney now. But just for old time's sake. All right. Uh, here's a test for you. Is yes. Star Wars sci-fi or fantasy? See, I knew this was gonna come up. <laughs> I knew this was gonna come up. That was a question I posted to movie review pundit and YouTube personality Clark Wolf, who's quickly becoming a radio film school regular. I love Star Wars. I uh, love I love Star Wars. However, I have friends that are just such big Star Wars nuts that I have learned from them. The correct answer is it's a fantasy movie. It is not science fiction. <laughs> Whether or not Star Wars is science fiction or fantasy is one of those questions that can ignite a discussion that will send you spiraling into a geek debate faster than Matthew McConaughey falling into a black hole. Alright, alright, alright. Now, I'm squarely in the camp that says that Star Wars is fantasy. Sure, there are elements of sci-fi, and for practical purposes, if I were to categorize it in a video store or online at Netflix, 
I would probably most likely put it under sci-fi, but I think the best answer that I've heard for the case that Star Wars is fantasy came from Mike McHarg, also known as Science Mike. He has a top-rated iTunes podcast called Ask Science Mike, where he answers people's questions about faith and science. For the release of Star Wars Episode 7, he did a special episode where he explained whether or not lightsabers can really exist. As usual, he gave a grounded scientific explanation as to why they absolutely can't exist. Something about the physical properties of light passing through each other or, or something like that. I'll have a link to it in the show notes if you want to check out that full episode. It's only about 10 minutes and definitely worth a listen. But he ended the episode with this. At the end of the day, as we understand physics, there's, there's no way to make a lightsaber. And that's not a big deal for Star Wars because Star Wars isn't science fiction. A lot of people think of Star Wars as science fiction, but a core property of science fiction, media, and literature is that there is an attempt to explain a plausible mechanism for story elements and things presented. So if you think about Star Trek, which is a popular form of science fiction, they work hard to explain how teleporters work and how warp drives work and how photon torpedoes work and how phasers work. And that's not how the Star Wars universe works. Because Star Wars is fantasy that just happens to be set in space. More like Lord of the Rings, where you see fantastic things that are just taken for granted by the characters in the media. So Mike's answer only further solidified my Star Wars as fantasy position. But then I talked to this guy. And you could probably ask a dozen people and you might get half going one way, half going the other way. Right. And just thinking about it now, I, I kind of think it's more science fiction. That's Remy La Victoire, or just Rem for short. He's co-host of one of my fellow podcastica shows, the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, going three years strong now. Remy was the first person to give me pause about being such a diehard Star Wars as fantasy proponent. Typically, science fiction introduces you to um, new technologies in the future. Okay, so this is a story a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay, so maybe it's not a story based in the future. But if you look at the technology that they have, uh, you, know, you know, Star Wars is a, it's a story that operates with technology that would be futuristic to us, like interplanetary travel. They've, sure. got, they've got blasters, droids, and land speeders. You know, that would be much more technologically advanced than what we have, even though it happened so far away. I think, I think the only other thing that would make it a fantasy story would be the Force. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be a more magical, mystical, energetic that binds the universe together. So I think if you look at it from that perspective... I, I kind of see it as a sci-fi story because you see a lot of this old science fiction. Uh, in the newer Star Wars, you see in Star Wars 7, you see Rey scavenging parts from a crashed Star Destroyer. And there's a lot of emphasis on the old technology that they have. You know, the Millennium Falcon is a pile of junk that's in constant need of repair. And Uncle Owen's buying used droids from the Jawas. And, and that technology, though old and, and worn out to them, is still advanced to us. So I, I kind of think it's science fiction. But I could see how somebody who follows the idea of the Force and, and the, that the story is a bit of a space opera, right. I, I can see how they would go with the fancy, fantasy side. But I, I come down on the side of sci-fi. 
Well, one of the arguments for it being on the fantasy side is that traditionally in in science fiction, there's whether implied or explicit uh, an explanation for the science fiction, or at least rooting that fiction in something that could be plausible. Oh, okay. Um, where where in Star Wars, you don't really get that. Like, you don't really get the explanation as to why something works or how something works, and uh, and I don't know. So. Now, what would be your answer to that? I think science, though, is, depends on when you're when you're in it. You know, my iPhone 20 years ago couldn't have existed. You know, you if I would have said, hey, I've got this great device and I can do all these great things with, you know, my GPS and, and all these things. You know, people who had, you know, uh, technology 15, 20 years ago wouldn't have seen that. And right. I think with, with te- the technology of a lightsaber – I think you could probably look at a lightsaber and say that's just a technology that we don't understand yet. It's not mythical. It's not magical. It's just a piece of technology that we haven't learned how to harness yet, like electric cars. You know, at one point they would have said electric cars never going to happen. Well, it's happening now. Look at the Teslas. So I think from that perspective, the, the lightsaber to me is it's simply technology that we don't understand, but it's not magical. Your answer made me think about, you know, things that we have seen or or that we have today that would seem magical. Um, and, you know, when you think about the lightsaber, you know, perhaps, you know, because a lightsaber is generated by the, the crystal or whatnot inside. And, right. you know, perhaps there's something about that crystal that creates a light that does have more of a physical property or perhaps the the uh, the lightsaber device itself creates some type of shielding for lack of a better word around the light that makes it able to have more of a physical property so that you know because one of the things he pointed out that two lights would pass through each other like they wouldn't be able to hit and have physical connection the way a a real sword would Mm -hmm. so um but uh if you think about a lightsaber as maybe like this really concentrated beam of force field energy let's say going really geeky nerdy here um (laughs) then they had maybe that Maybe that makes sense for a lightsaber to exist. And and I do remember even in Star Wars where, you know, Han is entering the coordinates for the jump to light speed. How long before you can make the jump to light speed? Take a few moments to get the coordinates from the Navi computer. Are you kidding? The rate they're gaining? Traveling through hyperspace in like dust and crops, boy. Without precise calculations, we'd fly right through a star or bounce too close to a supernova and then it injured certain real quick, wouldn't it? And he's saying, you know, we have to enter the coordinates because, you know, if we don't, we could end up in the middle of a sun or something. And that, yeah. would, end your, that would end your mission pretty quick, eh, farm boy? Which to me is an attempt to ground it in some type of reality. Like they're not just jumping, they're not just jumping to light speed. They're entering coordinates and they're um, taking into consideration how light travel can uh, affect you. So I don't know. You've made you giving me you giving me second you giving me second thoughts, Rem. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, I think I, I don't know who said it once, but I I recall somebody saying, and I'm kind of paraphrasing that that whatever looks like magic to us is just science that we haven't yeah. discovered yet. <laughs> well, I know that was in uh, it was in Thor. You must not give up. You must finish what you started. Why? Because you're right. Yeah, look. 
Your ancestors called it magic, and you call it science. Well, I come from a place where they're one and the same thing. Okay, so right about now, I'm feeling, all right, I can see Star Wars as being science fiction. And truth be told, even in Star Trek, which I don't think anyone would argue isn't science fiction, from time to time displays technology that is just not grounded in scientific plausibility. Like, explain to me how in Star Trek Inner Darkness, Kirk can have a real-time conversation thousands of light years away from the Klingon homeworld to Scotty sitting in a bar on Earth. I mean, come on, not even in Star Trek The Next Generation do they have those kind of subspace capabilities, and TNG takes place decades after this story. Or how did Benedict Cumberbatch's character, who will remain nameless for purposes of this discussion, have the ability to teleport from Earth to the Klingon homeworld? I mean, really, come on, people. The worst episode ever. Rest assured that I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. No! Speaking of nerding out, a fellow Star Wars nerd and geek who I pose this question to is my good friend and show regular J.D. Cochran. J.D. is a huge Star Wars fan and aficionado, even more so than me. For the people who haven't read oh, the legend, yeah. who's Mara Jade? Mara Jade was a Force-sensitive that the Emperor trained, and her special ability that she had was that she could sense where people, other force sensitive people were so that Emperor could track them down. Here JD is explaining one of the theories as to why he thinks Rey from The Force Awakens could be Luke's daughter, based on the story of Mari Jade. Now, at this point, his wife Yolanda, who's another um, Star Wars fan and show regular, found that even she had reached her geek limit. And so the story of Mara Jade is now, quote unquote... <laughs> but but here's the thing... She said nerds. Nerds. We are two 46 and 47-year-old men arguing about. <laughs> we're not arguing. We're debating. We're discussing. Heated discussion. We're having a heated discussion about the merits of Mara Jade oh, <laughs> versus Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker versus Princess Leia and Han Solo. A little later after the credits, we'll actually get to the debate between JD and myself on possible parenting theories. But I wanted to share with you something he shared related to the sci-fi versus fantasy discussion. Repeat the question. Do you consider Star Wars fan science fiction or science uh, or fantasy? B- both, sci-fi. actually. I think yeah, I think it's, it's both. A combo, I would because say. it's not Star Trek. Like Star Trek, even you know, even though they're, it's fantastical in Star Trek, it's they're trying to be based off of science. And you know, I, you know, five hundred years from now, there could be a starship enterprise, whatever. You know, that it, it's 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 more earthly. But then when you look at at the Star Wars universe, there's a lot of fan. I mean, you know, dealing with the Force and people moving things, and they don't waste time trying to explain the science. No, he's got to – the ships fly. They do this. I mean, you know, everybody has gravity in space. I mean, you know, every time we're in – you know, if you're watching Rebels or Clone Wars or Star Wars, you know, the ships could be doing barrel rolls. But it seems like everybody's kind of just fine and, oh, they didn't have seatbelts on. You know, or sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And it just – they don't take a lot of time to, to explain the science, you know, of tractor beams or this and that, and, and which is fine. It's also very – the storytelling is also pretty lyrical, Um as compared to something like, you know, a Star Trek or other sci-fis, you know, like JD's talking about in those films, it seems like, you know, here's our world in, you know, X number of years in the future. And it's, it resembles our world quite a bit. Uh, whereas with the Star Wars, it's almost like reading, 
you know, it's almost, it's almost, you know, poetic and, and there's elements of it from a storytelling standpoint that lend a bit more to, to it for it to lean on the fantasy side as well from, it just feels so epic, almost like Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah. It has that type of yeah. epic scope. And and these people with mystical powers, like, what's a Jedi? And how, oh, wow, he could look at that. He could lift things with his mind and do this and that. And it's not really explained. That's why I think people had a hard time with the midichlorians because it started trying to get Star Trek here, base it in science. And it's right. like, look, we're with you. You don't need to try to validate the science behind it. Just, you, you know, I, I like the mystery of not, wow, this person has a force. We don't know why, but they're just tapped into the universe in some mysterious way. And, and the, so you have that that mystery that that's at the core of Star Wars about, you know, light versus dark, you know, the power of the force. And, you know, and, and it's kind of, you know, and there's a dark side to it and a light side to it. And it, it's a mystery that people grapple with throughout this universe. So the Jedi's do. So uh, I think that myst, mystery element plays really heavily in the or plays heavily in the in, in those at least, you know, the first, you know, in all the films, really, you know. Except where they're trying to explain it with the medical. Yeah, that's. I, yeah, I just think that that we didn't need it. I freely admit that the debate about Star Wars being sci-fi or fantasy is all akin to mental masturbation. In the end, it doesn't really matter. It's just fun to geek out and get into deep philosophical conversations about cinematic pop culture. But I would argue that these kind of discussions are at the core of good filmmaking and storytelling. Understanding genre conventions and how to utilize and manipulate them is a key way filmmaking auteurs like Tarantino or Ryan Johnson or the Coen brothers are able to leave indelible marks in the industry, even like in the case of Johnson and Tarantino, when their directorial filmographies aren't particularly extensive. I mean, think about it. Ryan Johnson only has three feature films under his belt as a director, and now he's been given the reins to direct an episode of the most valuable movie franchise on the planet. If you ever get a chance to listen to Johnson talk about filmmaking and storytelling, you'll hear the same kind of love, care, and passion. Here's a clip from an interview with Johnson by entertainment journalist Jermaine Lucier. Uh, if old Joe doesn't come back to kill the Rainmaker, yeah. how does the Rainmaker come to be? Well, that's the Terminator question. Right, it? yeah. And for that, you got to kind of start getting it. If, you really, if it's important to you to really justify that beyond just a look at makes sense in a story type way, you have to get into multiple timelines existing and never-ending loops type logic, which you can get into and you can start diagramming. You can, make it, you can shoehorn it into making sense. For me, it's one of those things where it's kind of a, a it's kind of a trope of time travel movies. Yeah. This kind of setup, you know, and there's a slight amount of magic logic that you have to apply in order to make a story like this make sense. I'll have that clip in the show notes if you want to hear the full geek out discussion about time travel and plot holes. So, if these kind of discussions are good enough for Ryan Johnson, director of Star Wars Episode Eight, they're good enough for two forty-something filmmakers debating who the true father of Ray is. Speaking of which, as promised, I'm going to leave you with my full discussion with J. Daniel Landa about fan theories as it relates to Rey, Kylo Ren, Han, Princess Leia, and the rest. Now, it goes without saying, Star Wars Episode 7 will be spoiled. Chances are, if you're listening to this episode, you've seen it. I mean, it did make over a billion dollars. Also, J.D. gets into details about some of the Star Wars novels, like Heir to the Empire. So if you're not caught up on all of those and you plan to, you may want to hold off on listening to this section. 
But if you are cut up in all that reading, or like me, you know you just don't have the time to catch up or worry about it, or if you just don't care about being spoiled but get a certain amount of pleasure listening to two grown-ass men geek out like teenagers, then enjoy. As always, if you like and appreciate what we're doing here on the show, leave us a rating and review in iTunes. Remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. Until next time, may the force be with you. Man, it's good to be Bob Iger today. Yeah. Yes, for sure. They they could have paid double for a Lucasfilm oh, and still yeah. been happy. Yeah. I for- mean, he's got Lucas, Pixar, Marvel. Yeah, it's I crazy. Mean, wow. But before you go, I want to be able to get her input on the other topic, which was if she has a – and J.D., you can follow up later when she goes. But if she has a theory about Ray's um, parenting. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> I mean, my feeling in watching The Force Awakens I, – I mean, my uh, immediate assumption and didn't think that there should be any other assumption was that Ray's – father is Luke. However, now that we've been having this back and forth debate about it, and I had this sudden, you know, theory that potentially she could be um, the daughter of Leia and Han, another another child of theirs that we just didn't know that she that they had. I'm now thinking that's a potential thing, but I still really feel like you know, I, I felt so strongly watching Force Awakens, and maybe that's that's entirely what the filmmakers intended to make everybody think and feel is that she's Luke's daughter. Right. Uh, so that's that's all I got. JD has plenty of other other things, but I, I can't. When you guys get to it about you know the infamous hug. <laughs> no, that's the, that, that's I, least of the. Things yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But that actually, once you guys started talking about the hug and what you can explain when, you know, after Han dies and Leia, spoiler, spoiler, hugs Ray, <laughs> you know what what all is communicated in that moment, and that's what sparked me to think, oh, what if she's their kid, you know? But, right. Which hadn't occurred and, to me before. And, see, and this is the thing that frustrates me every time I hear people talk about the possibility of her being Han and Leia's kid. And maybe I'm just unique or crazy, but we know that Han and Leia were separated. Han, yeah, so Han what? And, so during that time, she could have got together with somebody else. She could have married. Why couldn't she have? Hey, Han showed up one night, and they were both horny. <laughs> no, I'm not saying <laughs> that. A kid. I I'm mean, that s- happens all the time too. I'm not saying that's not a possibility. I'm just saying one possibility is that that uh, okay. Ray, wait, first of all, is is um, Ben Solo's sister from another Mister. Got you. I, I hear that, and that could be, that very well could be. Why is that more probable than her being Han's kid? You mean Luke's I'm at, kid? I'm at, no, or, I'm oh, Han's. Hans. Got you, got you. It's yep. not, I'm not saying it's more probable. I'm just saying it's another possibility. Like It if, is another possibility. And it's she could also be Jar Jar's kid. That's a possibility. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities. You, you've I, said nothing when you say that, Ron. <laughs> I, a possibility. I mean, just because they were poss- separated, the fact that they were separated is almost irrelevant. I'm saying it's a possibility From a that's of having a kid. I'm I'm saying it's a possibility that is a higher probability than right. Jar Jar's. What? Uh, it's a possibility she's Captain Kirk's daughter. 
It, no, it's not. I, I mean, it's a higher possibility than Jar Jar, but you know, there you go. Let's not talk about it. I'm just Jar saying. Kid. <laughs> I'm just right. saying, but I mean, it's like when to say that is saying nothing because it's yeah. There's all kinds of possibilities, but no, it's. It, here, but let's talk about that scene where it's she, making her or, Skywalker. That's what's key. That's where, That's why she would have. The that's force. what I. That's what I agree with. Like, I think there's a strong possibility. Here's the. Here's the thing. Yeah. She's either gonna be Leia's kid. Or Luke's kid, or nobody's kid. Really? Like, that's it. Yeah. Oh, there's the possibility, Ron, that she's either Leia's well, that's kid, a Luke's kid, or no. Uh, okay. So what are we saying? It's so gotta then, be somebody's kid that we really care the, about. Look, Star think. Wars is about the Skywalker clan. It's about the Skywalker family, the lineage. Right. Now, for me personally, I I wouldn't be. I think that the 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 artists that they have working on these films now are great. They're great storytellers, and if it, it turns out to be Leia's child, I'm sure they're going to treat it with a lot of respect and really get into the story and, and develop a great story about that. But for my money, I'd rather have it. I think it, it makes more sense for her to be Luke's child. Because? Or I'd be more pleased with that being Luke's. Well, because I think, like, first of all, going looking, going back to Leia, and Yolanda and I had this discussion. Now, I understand that there are women, you know, for the safety of their children, they'll abandon their kids. But it's not like uh, Leia was without means that she couldn't keep her child with her and protect her. Um, and I, I just have a hard time seeing someone who's so devoted, so capable, so morally balanced to just give up her child on the off chance that someone might kill her child. That she just has, will abandon her or hide her, really abandon her because she doesn't even know if, – if it is her daughter, I, you know, we're hard-pressed to even know if she knew what was going on with her daughter. I mean her daughter's wandering around the desert. Dealing with all you know, life and death situations that she does, knows nothing about. So for me, it's hard for me to buy knowing who Princess Leia is, how how stubborn, how determined she is as a person to just let her child go. I mean, she'd be like, "Fuck that! I'm keeping my kid. I'm not. I, I just can't see her doing that. That doesn't make sense to me." But on the flip side, Luke, there, there's this whole great story and legends that we talked about with Mara Jade. Right. Mara Jade is all. Now here's the other thing. It, it seems to me that. Ray has a that Ray is strong as heck. Like she's got is every bit of amount of force as as Kylo Ren. Sure. And and so like to me it's like well Kylo and then some. Yeah, and then some. And so Kylo Ren is the is the is the, the is from Princess Leia as the force and Han who doesn't. But now if the force the way it works, if it's if you have like two Jedi force sensitive or not two Jedi, but two force really powerful force sensitive people that make a child. Ray would be that child, mm -hmm. and Mara Jade and Luke are two force-sensitive people. And Mara, yeah. and for the for the people who haven't read oh, the legend, yeah. who's Mara Jade? Mara Jade was a force-sensitive that the Emperor trained, and her special ability that she had was that she could sense where people, other force-sensitive people were, so that Emperor could track them down. So she was kind of like a human, or she was a a, a beacon, a, a, a mercenary, a natural person she was kind of like an assassin not even an assassin she was a spy for him and she would just go around the galaxy sussing out four sensitives and then the emperor would either kill him or try to change them to use to you know so she was kind of like a metal detector for jedi exactly exactly and, how did, how did and she, she had luke the force together, well she well after the the way it goes is after luke destroyed the emperor and uh return of the jedi after she, anakin after the redeemed Darth Vader destroyed the Emperor. Well, yeah, right. Together. But they wouldn't have done but that wouldn't have happened without Luke. I, know, I mean I know. you had to have Luke there. I'm so. just being facetious. Yeah. Slow your roll, homie. Um, <laughs> so so when when that happens, then what you get is 
Luke is out. They're doing. They have their adventures and Legend series, and then he he comes across Mara Jade, and she's really mad at him and wants to kill him because basically he destroyed her livelihood. Because the one thing about the Emperor, he's always clandestine, so he didn't tell anybody about Mara Jade. She's kind of like one of these Men in Black type characters where she had a carte blanche access to get to the Emperor, but nobody knew who she was, what department she worked for, or, or you know where she came from. They just knew that oh, this is the Emperor's. What her purpose was. Yeah, what her purpose was. She was just the Emperor's special envoy to something, but we don't right. know what. And so when he died, she had like no status in the empire whatsoever or what you know because even though he died there were you know there's empires scattered all around the galaxy so right. and that's kind of like we were seeing with the the, the first order is like the, the reconstitutioning of that empire and so but nobody knew who mara jade was and she was mad because she felt like it she she liked the emperor and it, she felt like it destroyed her livelihood her world and so she wanted to kill the jedi that killed her boss Basically, and then she meets up with them, and they have these adventure, or whatever. They kind of, and then a fondness, you know, uh, catches between them, and and there you have it. There you have it. And so that is, uh, so that was, it was in a book. It was in the books, right? Yes. Right. And so when I think it was, I think it was an heir to the empire. It's a three book series. It's right, pretty right. pretty cool. All right. So when Lucasfilm was taking over, and the new regime came in, the new New Order came in, they made a decision to make most. If of the most, if not all of the books, no longer in canon, which for people listening, canon means this is what's technically official in Star Wars story and everything else is what's now called Star Wars legend. And so the story of Mara Jade is now, quote unquote. Nerds. But, but <laughs> here's the thing. She said nerds. 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 That's, nerds. Nerds. that's just tech. That's just. Tech. We are two 46 and 47 year old men arguing about. <laughs> we're not arguing, we're debating. We're discussing. Heated discussion. We're having a heated discussion about the merits of Mara Jade oh, <laughs> versus Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker versus Princess Leia and Han Solo. I said good day, sir. <laughs> I said good day. Anyway, so she's legend. Now, we know. That they are but cherry picking from the list, like you said. Yeah, they cherry pick from it. So why not pick a great? It, they might. They might. This, listen, listen. Before this movie came out, a lot of fans, a lot of the geeky nerdy fans, were really into the whole Mara Jade. They're like, man, that'd be great if she shows up. And there was speculation that she was going to show up in in The Force Awakens. Like, there, her and Darth Plagueis is another character that they that they think Snoke's might be. Right. But these are a couple of characters from the Legends. There's not. And there's a ton of legend material out there, but these are like two of the, the the heavyweights that people are like hoping that they use because they have such rich stories in the legend series. That and, and I agree. I think that 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 I would love to see that happen. And here's another thing going towards Luke. We you, you talk about you know especially with the Clone War series, all kinds of Jedi are making their own lightsabers. But the fact that a lightsaber calls Rey, and that lightsaber happens to be Anakin slash Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, because mm-hmm. it was Luke Skywalker's, but he got it from his father. It was his father's lightsaber when he's a Jedi. True, it was true. Anakin's old lightsaber. So for that lightsaber, for her to have a Force vision, and that lightsaber to call her, now it, that means to me, I think that makes it lean heavily. It, she's a Skywalker uh, offspring. It could be Leia's, but I would argue that it's Luke's. I mean, no, I've never seen in, in all the. I haven't read all the legends, but in all the films that we've seen, all the Clone Wars, I've never seen a, a lightsaber call anybody. Right. I don't it has to happen. So that's, I mean, that's a big. That's, that's, that's a good she, point. 
That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. Um, regarding one, that's thing, huge, huge. huge. One, uh, one of the theories that they talked about in Jedi Council, um, John Campia brought this up, um, is the possibility, and this addresses your issue, JD, about why would Leia um, abandon her daughter on um, the planet? I forget the name of the planet right now. Um, that Leia let both Ben and Ray go to Luke's school or whatnot. Um, ben turns bad, goes to kill most of the people there, except he spares his sister. Because in that first vision, we see somebody about to kill her, and then a right. red laser beam, a red laser beam, a red lightsaber kills the person who we assume is a Knight of Ren, stop her. So, uh, one possible theory is that um, Han and Leia think their daughter is dead at the hand of Ben, and they don't know that she's still alive. Uh, even- that could be true. That could be true. Yeah. That could be true. That's a good theory. But, yeah. um, so. You know, but then but the thing is, going back to your point, you said, well, when when um, uh, when okay, Maz, Ron, I'm going to say goodbye. All right. Thanks. Yeah. We'll talk right, more later. Yeah. But but then what you said, Ron, about, uh, you know, when when Han and Maz Kanata share that that look and she says, well, what's up with the girl? He wouldn't know who she is then. Ah, how would he, how would he know? How would he know that? I mean, that nullifies your point because then I don't think Han would know. But I think right. that Han. Right, right. Oh, oh, one thing, one thing though. I yeah. said to JD and answers this question. I I asked JD, or maybe I asked both of you, like, why would she be on the same planet with the Millennium Falcon? Like he he probably knows because oh, like you're here with the Millennium, and then he recognizes the. I don't know. Anyway, I can't hear you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> but um, so anyways, That's a good uh, point. like why. He does seem to know who she is. Right, right. But then, but but the thing is this: if, well, actually, we like don't that, necessarily know that either. I mean, always in in the Force Awakens, all we see, right. she says, "Who's the girl?" And then we, and then the scene cuts to something else. So we don't know his answer. I mean, it's assumed that he knows more. Um, but the answer could just be, "Oh, she's this girl who found girl uh, we picked up, right? Picked exactly, up and found the ship." Exactly. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just have a – for me, I just think that – I guess I'm really uh, jonesing for the Mara Jade. Yeah. I mean, I just think she'd be an incredible character to add to the, the storytelling. Yeah, I like your point. I like and your um, point. I think like here, like going back to that whole the, – the, the, the chewy hug or whatever, I thought like when I watched the film, I've heard on several occasions, and I tend to agree with this, that that was like the – that wasn't the best – directed scene because i felt like i always feel like uh chewie always gets a backseat to everything that's going on like in star wars he didn't right. get a medal when that's at the <laughs> award celebration well, what he was he was flying him laying falcon too like he, and so he's, I, um, he's their dog yeah it's like their dog or something like and then when uh, when they find out han's dead i really thought when i saw that uh, there was a scene where leia's with chewie and ray and I think it's I think Leia hugs Ray. I could be wrong. I'm yeah, not sure. When, I can't. When they, when they get back to the base after destroying the right. Starkiller base, when they get back to the the new Alliance base, whatever. And, and to she's me, the first I person he um, Leia hugs is Ray. Right, and I just thought like, but they're in a room. Like, aren't they in a side room somewhere? And like, no, should no. be sitting. Down? No, it's, I, it's it's like in the on the platform where all the ships landed. They haven't even gotcha. gotten inside yet. 
Right, 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 right. But then I, I thought there was a scene with her. And, I, I, I have to watch it again because I, I, I've only seen it twice. Don't, right. don't hate for that. But I've I'm going to get to. Twice, I know. But we got. So to, I'm going to go. Yeah. yeah, and it was a while ago. So I, in my memory, I thought there was a scene where Leo was, was with Chewie. It was not when they first arrived, but later on, there's a scene. Like I understand, like she hugs Ray, and that that's fine or whatever when they first get there. But I thought there was a scene later on before Chewie and Ray take off again, where you could tell like Chewie's upset that Han is dead. Right. And I thought Leia was – I thought he was near Leia or whatever. I just thought if I was – again, if I was making the film, um, <laughs> I, what I would have done – I was expecting to see a, a, a shot where Leia gives Chewie a hug because, you know, they both loved Han in their way, you know. And, sure, and yeah. I just thought like, wow, there's like – there's no – you know, the, you know <laughs> it's like they were like on the no rest for the weary mode and they're just like, OK, Han's gone. Let's go. And uh, and so for her to hug Ray. I mean, she doesn't even really know, know what Ray went through. I mean, she knows it was a hard time, whatever, and Han's not there. But I just thought that was uh, – it just – I don't know. It just yeah. didn't play as true to, to me. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm going to have to see that again too. Um, one of the, one, uh, another theory that's starting to rise, and this is something that I thought about when I saw the Rogue One trailer, is the possibility of Jen being uh, Ray's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ray's mother. Jen is the star of Rogue One. Right, because uh, one they look like they both have British accents. Yes, yep. Um, and she's old enough in this time period in the timeline to be uh, uh, to be her mother. Yeah, um, and first. I would just I would just say that also another thing that I try to always remind myself is that I heard, you know, theory seven way to Sunday before the force awakens came out about what it was going to be, what right. the storyline was, and everybody was wrong. Everybody had great theories and you know or not everybody but there i saw i heard some really good ones i heard some really wacky ones and nobody had it right i, I didn't hear anybody that had the story pegged so i mean you know no one was talking about a, a, a supreme ruler snoke or you know the characters that we came to know you know right, we'd right. slowly start hearing about kylo ren or whatever but everybody was off and everybody had great ideas but they were just off so i always try to remind myself that because who knows what they're going to come up with. I mean, because the, the thing is, if Ray is not one of the Skywalkers, I'd be cool with that too. I mean, that seems like that would be, I mean, I, I mean, she's a great character. So wherever they go with it, you know, I, you know, I, I trust their storytelling judgment. We're going to like it. I just think that for, um, for, for my money, I would also love to see it. Would, it would, also another thing about her being Luke's kid is that Luke there, you know, you have the whole Jedi dogma and philosophy where they're not supposed to have any, any material possessions that bound them to anything. They're supposed to be these. Uh, they're not supposed to have those type of attachments. That's the Jedi dogma. So I could almost, so that almost, not not that Luke is just going to foist his daughter away, but it also lends to that whole philosophy about you know, you know, if he, especially if he feels she's threatened or whatever, like at anybody, he would be one that would be. Uh, able to relinquish custody of his daughter or to leave her or to hide her somewhere. But, but again, like, even if it like, like someone saying like, if uh, like, I like the idea of somebody taking Leia's child and they don't know who she is because I can't see Leia knowing and just leaving her kid the way she did. If she right. did know, if she did know she would, to me, she would leave her with somebody like how she was left with Bail Organa. Like how she became right, right. She wouldn't just leave her in the dirt somewhere. I mean, right. she would set her up somewhere, 
you know, some obscure place with some well-to-do person that could keep track of her. Now, maybe she did do that and maybe something else happened and, and her and the girl got kidnapped or whatever. We, we just don't know. But I just think that, you know, uh, if, I, I don't know. There, so there's those possibilities. I mean, it, it, that could be good where someone, you know, that could be very interesting if somebody, you know, with the Knights of Ren, you know, if somebody, you know, spares her or hides her. And whisk her away, and then Leia doesn't know. But but the thing is, if they find all these dead bodies with the Knights of Rim, but they don't find her daughter, there's got to be a thought like, well, somebody took my daughter, as opposed to they just didn't kill her and leave her here with all the other dead people. Right. So, but again, going back to the theory that um, Kylo Ren actually did rescue her and save her, um, and he's the one responsible for putting her on. Is it Jango? Is the name of the planet or Jango? Oh, Jakku, 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 right? Um, in the Force of in the Force Awakens, when that commander comes to Kylo and reports that um, Finn was seen with some girl, uh huh. Um, Kylo Ren reacts to that. Yes, um, as if the fact that he specifically mentioned that it was a girl um, has some meaning, or that he. It's insinuating that he knows either who the girl is or there's something about the fact that he mentions that. So, again, that could that could jive with Kylo saving his sister from being killed, dropping her off there and then realizing now so many years later that she's the one who's running off with the plans. Yeah. So, yeah, it it could be uh, those are all kind of viable theories. We just have to wait and see what they what to do. But I loved your last point. And I think that's a good place to, to end where you said we could all be wrong because <laughs> you're right yeah i mean uh, i i heard seven ways of sunday all these theories and nobody they were everybody was just wrong you know and so we're gonna have to wait and see because i know that you know like you said they're cherry picking from legends just who knows what they're gonna come up with you know nobody saw a snoke but I, I think like i read the darth plagueis novel and it was great and it would be awesome if snoke turned out to be plagueis but you know, if he's not, it's he'll be a new character. Maybe he'll in, in, imbibe some of what he what what uh, Plagueis had into Snoke. They, they already have. I mean, he's kind of like that. Mm. Um, and uh, and and so yeah, I, I, you know, whatever they come up with, I think it's going to be. I think we'll be happy. I think we're in good hands. First of all, Ryan Johnson is uh, I just think an awesome filmmaker. So I right. I I can't wait to see eight. What Brick was one of my favorite films, uh, in, indie films. So um, I, I thought it was just amazing what he did with that. I think his other subsequent films have been really good. So he's uh, – I look forward to it. 